1: will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen on Italian Wine Podcast. Today it is my great pleasure to travel to the heart of the Chianti Classico, to Castellini in Chianti, to meet Andrea Cecchi, CEO and President of the Famiglia Cecchi Winery. Buongiorno Andrea, thanks so much for being my guest today. How are you?
0: Buongiorno Mark, everything is going well, thank you. I am very pleased um, to talk to you, uh, to uh, explain uh, the historical background of my family in today's community, the wine community.
1: Well, that's great. Um, is, it a, is it a beautiful day in Chianti today? Well, actually, it's raining
0: right now, but it's okay. We had a lot of sun, uh, even in the past days, and so we have so many different things.
1: And the harvest is now complete?
0: Yes, yes. Of course, since I would say 10 days, we've just finished our harvest. So now we are picking the olives uh, to make extra virgin olive oil from Chianti Classico. So today we are not working in the fields, but in the next days we are going to start again.
1: Okay. Now, Familia Cecchi is one of the historic wineries of the Chianti Classico and you represent the fourth generation of a company founded by your great-grandfather, Luigi Cecchi, Can you share with us something of your family story?
0: You're right. My family is one of the most historical family producing wine in this region. Um, my great-grandfather started as a consultant, as a palatista. He was a consultant of other states. So at that time, we didn't have any land, any vineyards. But step by step, uh, we became uh, wine growers. And uh, I would say that the third generation made a big change after the Second World War. When m- my father decided to buy the first estate in Villa Cerna, in Castellina and Chianti. And from that point in um, 1962, we started to be a growers. And we started to be growers because it was our love it was something that we were um, in love to to see how we could grow our own wines in our
1: land. That's a very very interesting story, Andrea, and I'm thinking that if uh, if this decision was made in the 1960s, it was a moment of huge transition in Tuscany, with the demise of the mezzatria. So it would have been an opportunity, but also quite a challenge, to begin to grow grapes and produce your own wines.
0: You're right, it was a big change. And as you know, Mark, in 1966, we had the first DOCG regulations, and so... That's why my father decided to buy this estate, pretty big estate inside of the Chianti Classico, even if in 1962, the Chianti Classico was not an appellation because it was born in 1966. So the longevity of my father was so great. And uh, we are so thankful to, to the decision that he made. And then, of course, thanks to this um, knowledge, we were continuing. Continued to buy some land, and uh, when I started to work in this company in 1988 as a manager and the production, because I have an, agro- an agronomist, I, I I was asking to myself what you should do in your generation for this company, and I say my priority is to take some good land aboard. It means. For me the land is the most important thing that the family that is involved in winemaking needs to have. So I was going around, even in different areas outside of Chianti Classico, buying new pieces of land where I could grow a different style of wine respecting the authenticity of the Terroir.
1: Okay, so I'm just thinking again of uh, the transformation of Tuscany In the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s, and the great project Chianti Duemila. I remember that project, and how not only did the landscape itself change after the Mezzadria ceased and more specialized viticulture came in, but Chianti wine itself changed completely. Uh, And really, there's been such a renaissance in quality, and the Czechi family have been part of that story. Can you tell us a little bit about the evolution of
0: Chianti? Well, from my point of view, uh, the landscape was not so much changed comparing to the, the time, because consider, for instance, that until now we have 62% of woods in the area, and we have 10% of olives plantation, olive uh, tree. Make, uh, to make the, the excavation olive oil and the rest is, of course, is, uh, vineyards. So I think the landscape looks like uh, what happened in 1960, 1970. Many projects are done uh, during the last 40 years in terms to increase the culture of the people uh, here in Chianti Classico, in terms to develop the knowledge in how making the best Sangiovese grapes and then uh, the best Chianti classical wine. So the project that you mentioned was, was pro- probably the most important project that we did in the area. And I think that that was uh, letting people open the eyes and see that we had a great potentiality in terms to discover new clones and to have, new implantation methods to grow much better the Sangiovese comparing the previous years.
1: So it was really realizing the potential of Chianti Classico and indeed of the Sangiovese grape to make really great wines. I I can recall of course when Chianti was a, a, a much easier to drink wine the Chianti that was in the fiasco, the Chianti of the old days. But of course, this project saw Chianti really realize its great potential through clonal selection, through work in the vineyard, and of course, through work in the cellar with the removal of the white grape varieties, for example, and the you know refining of the wines. Of course, uh, many
0: things that were changing in those years and also the, the way of the, of the approach of the consumption of the wine was changing. Uh, not only the quality was changing, uh, of course, now we have very well-balanced wines from this area. But at the same time, we were happy to have an approach to the consumption of wine, which was, was a different consumption occasion. It means that we used to drink a lot of wine, Uh, We don't think about the quality, and today we are just tasting and enjoying the wine to have a better life.
1: Actually, that's a very important point, not only the wine change, but the way we as consumers, both in Italy and outside of Italy, approach wine. We are more interested in terroir and really um, understanding what, what makes wine. Now, Andrea, I know for you, Sustainability has been at the heart of your family project and is very important. Can you tell us why this is important and some of the measures that you take to produce wine sustainably?
0: Well, honestly, I think that we need to be very, very respectful about our countryside. I decided since many, many years ago to focus in just a couple of projects, the care of the vineyards to caretakers, to be take care of, of the land. And as you know, in Toscana, we don't have enough water. And so I decided that water could be a big point. Water is a big search for the population, first of all, but also in the countryside. So I decided, thanks to the uh, recycled, the project of recycling water in all our wineries, I decided to reuse the water that we use during the process. And that helps us very much because we can save a lot of water from the wells. And so we started in the 90s, probably we had uh, the, the first project in terms of uh, the wetlands with the pragmatis in a very natural way of recycling the water. And then when the organic uh, uh, production was coming up, we decided to, to jump on in our estates that we have in Marima, in Umbria. So we have even pretty big estates that are controlled in an organic way. And I think this is something that is, is not simple, but is what we like to do also because we want to keep our land alive. And this is, uh, is an option.
1: Okay, well, that's that's very interesting too. I think probably 20 or 30 years ago, organic viticulture was thought of as a possibly a curiosity. It wasn't so important or so valued. And now I think there's an understanding of the importance of producing wine following biological, the organic precepts. And it's a benefit for the wine, but it's also a, seems to benefit in the vineyard does it help, for example, with climate change? I know that you've suffered from some very excessive temperatures and heat during the past summer.
0: Well, that is another very important chapter because living in a countryside, watching the season, we really realize that the climate is, is a big change and is changing year by year. And uh, since the, the vintage that 2017, we have very difficult season in the last few harvests, because, you know, it's something that is difficult to explain, but sometimes we have very critical events like water bomb during the storm or very long period without any drop of rain, very fast and, and heavy wind. And so we have Honestly, even the the sun, the ultraviolet sun rays, which are so so strong, that they, they are able to burn the branches into the vineyards. So these are all or some of the effects that we have living in the countryside and watch what happens. So the temperature, which is so high for weeks and weeks during July, August, the beginning of September. So we really realized that we have to approach new projects of planting. We need to approach new methods of canopy management in our vineyards, and for sure, about different rootstock clones or different clones of Sangiovese. I really believe that Sangiovese will be my career, the grape that I am in love, and I will be in love with Sangiovese for, for the rest of my life. So probably we need to find out some different clones with different criteria that we researched probably in 80s and 90s.
1: Well, that's very interesting. And um, I guess all of those sort of factors can help to face the challenges of climate or global warming because it looks as if things are only going to continue in this direction. Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. I'm interested that you're talking about um, really exploring the different clones of Sangiovese. And I know, too, that you have the estate in the Maremma. Uh, you produce Brunello di Montalcino and uh, the Vino Nobile di Montepulciano, uh, all from varieties of Sangiovese. Yes, yes. Does the Sangiovese in these areas respond differently to the challenge of climate?
0: Of course, Sangiovese, I consider this grape a chameleon, is making different style of wine in different terroirs. And that's why I love Sangiovese because uh, it's uh, it's a big difference comparing this grape, the Sangiovese grape, to many other uh, important red grapes of the world. And I love Sangiovese from the coast because it's a it's a coastline Sangiovese, which is uh, rich of purple color, very fruity, very well balanced, full mouth. And the, I can compare the Sangiovese that is produced in Chianti Classico in our state, which is very vertical, with a very incredible elegancy and with a long aftertaste. So two different, totally two different wines produced with the same grape, of course, different clones, different rootstock, and they're coming from the same region. So this is something that makes me very enthusiastic to be in this business.
1: That's fascinating. Actually, you were talking then in the, in the coastal Sangiovese of the Moralino di Scanzano from your Maremma estate. Is that correct?
0: Yes, yes. We have a pretty large estate in Maremma because my father was in love with that area since 1956, because uh, his father sent him to Marimma to have his first experience alone making wine. And so he said, when I will have some money, I will come back in this part of Tuscany and I would like to buy an estate. And that happened exactly 40 years later when my father in 1996, he decided to buy Val delle Rose in Maremma. Uh, at the beginning, we were producing the Morellino di Scansano, which is basically Sangiovese, and then uh, the next project was the Vermentino DOC Maremma Toscan,a and we are uh, very happy to discover that grave because in Maremma it means on the coast of the Mediterranean the Vermentino and all the, the cradle of this, uh, of this grape.
1: Yes, a uh, wonderful white wine. In fact, isn't in Maremma now uh, a new DOC, Vermentino Superiore? Does that just come in?
0: Yes, it's coming. It's already there. We have our Cobalto, which is our Vermentino 100% wine that we produce in our state, which is fermented in stainless steel, amphora, and wood, and is aged for one year, and before the release. And so that is the Vermentino Superiore, because we have a, a very nice group of producers that they produce an amazing Vermentino that can be aged. And the people, they love that. They love because that can be matched with the, with the dishes that they produce in Maremma, but all over the world on the coast. And we have mostly fish dishes. And um, so that Tormentino with a very deep, um, I would say, submarine fruit or a fruit like ananas, very, high, very ripe ananas taste, is an amazing with some uh, fish
1: dishes. Oh, wow, that sounds wonderful. I've not tasted that wine, but I look forward to it. Now, one of your flagship wines is the Reserva di Familia Chianti Classico. Can you tell us about this wine and why it's important to the Familia Ciacchi? Well, that is
0: uh, the Chianti Classico Reserva that I produced since 1987. That was the first vintage and was the same period when I started to work, I would say, in, in the company. So for me, it's a flagship because at that time, I made a very deep research inside of our vineyards of our estate in Castellina Chianti to discover which vineyards they could be constantly able to produce the 90% of the blend of this wine. And then at that time we had, uh, we already had some Cabernet Sauvignon planted with vineyards. We had three vineyards and uh, so I, I select. Uh, one vineyard in particular where uh, I produced the 10% of the plant, which is Cabernet Sauvignon. So we use small barrels for the aging of um, this wine. And of course, in recently we were coming back using a little bit more bigger barrels. It means that at that time we were using barrique. Now we use mostly to 500 litres because we should like have a more integrated aging taste into the blend. So, of course, this is my flagship, Valore di Familia. And then, as you know, Mark was born in 2012, the Gran Selezione, yes. which is uh, yes. the last baby. And would that be the Villa C- Cerna? That is that is the Villa Rosa, which is another estate. <laughs> Villa Rosa. It is a new baby. And uh, this, I consider the new baby at the moment, another flagship because uh, represent represents the elegancy of Sangiovese 100%. I love the vertical wines. I love wines that can be aged for many, many years uh, with the complexity, with the transparencies of the Sangiovese and with the durability of the Sangiovese. So that one is a wine that made me very happy and I really enjoy that wine.
1: And for our listeners, I think it's important to uh, emphasize the Gran Selezione as the top of the Chianti Classico pyramid, a single vineyard, 100% Sangiovese, is that correct?
0: Yes, yes. Since the beginning, I decided that Villa Rosa, as Giulio Gambelli said many years ago, I don't know if you're familiar with Giulio Gambelli, he was a, a palatista, he was a consultant, very well known in Tuscany from Montalcino to Chianti Classico, he was a very close friend of my father. They always said a Villa Rosa, il Sangiovese ci nasce. So in Villa Rosa, the Sangiovese is born. And uh, so that's why for my commitment is produce Chianti Classico Gran Selezione using 100% of Sangiovese.
1: Okay. Now, you mentioned that the Czech family has five wine estates in Chianti Classico, but also... Maremma, as we've discussed, San Gimignano, also an estate in Umbria, uh, in the area of Montefalco, where you're cultivating a very interesting grape, Sagrantino. Yes, in, uh, in 1997,
0: we started with my father to discover the Montefalco. We were uh, in love with this area since the beginning, because it's so beautiful, so nice, and uh, it's uh, very vocated to the viticulture. So, at the beginning, we were producing Sagrantino, and then we increased uh, vineyards, also producing Treppiano Scolettino for the
1: Montefalco Bianco D.O.C. That's a very fascinating wine. I love that grape. It makes some wonderful wines. Now, can we talk about gastronomy and wines. The wines that you produce, I think you would say, are wines that you make to enjoy with food. You've talked a little bit about the Cucina Marittima from the Tuscan Seaboard, pairing well with the Vermentino. What about some of the typical dishes of the other areas where you produce wines, and which of your wines really pair well, perhaps with a particular piatto tipico?
0: Well, as you know, Mark, Italy is a country where wine and food, they're always going together. And our culture says that the consumption of wine is with food, not without food, as happened in many other countries. Absolutely. So for instance, staying in Umbria, I love the Sagrantino di Montefalco with the truffle plates. So I can think about the Tagliolini al Tartufo, which are amazing because the truffle is, uh, is a product that is coming mostly from Alba and Umbria. So Tagliolini al Tartufo Nero di Umbria is something that I love that because uh, the truffle is, uh, is, a, is a something that is really typical uh, of Umbria. is Strangozzi al Tartufo with, with the Sagrantino. Of course, uh, the Sagrantino is going very, very well also with the meal. But if I'm thinking about the Fiorentina steak, I should like to think about the Gran Selezione, Chianti Classico, Villa Rosa. Because the fat of the meal that you have in your, in your mouth can be cleaned by the soft tannins that Sangiovese has from Villa Rosa. So the, the connection between the Fiorentina steak and the Villa Rosa Grand Selezione, which is 100% Sangiovese, makes a unique, uh, fantastic taste uh, during the lunch or the dinner.
1: Yes, and I think that's a really important point you're making: is the precision of food and wine in Italy. That in a different area there are different dishes, and it is the wines of that area that pair best with them. You've described two examples. Very well. The black truffles from Umbria uh, with the Sagrantino and then, of course, the Chianti Classico Gran Selezione with the Pisteca La Fiorentina. Final question. Um, I'd like to talk about wine hospitality uh, with your estates, but in particular the Foresteria Villa Cerna. Can you tell us about this? We
0: have this fantastic location uh, that many years ago was a horse stable, and because the Hospitality became more and more important everywhere, and of course, even in Chianti Classico. In the 90s, together with my father, we decided to open a, a foresteria. Foresteria means a resort, a place where you can have some food. And so now it's not anymore the horse stable, it's uh, no, no more horses, uh, unlucky, and uh, we, we love horses. We have just settled at home, but not more, of course, it's unlikely. And we have a lovely restaurant that prepares um, local cuisine and uh, also with uh, a nice uh, contest of view on the vineyards because you are eating inside of the vineyard. And you can see the Primo Colle Hill, which is the hill where we produce the Villa Cerna. And so the people, when they come from all over the world, they have fantastic Tuscan food with a very local ingredients, a lovely
1: selection of wine and an amazing view. That sounds absolutely perfect. And I think for me and for the listeners of Italian Wine Podcast, it's what we like to do best is really immerse ourselves in the countryside, enjoying the wines of that place with the foods of that place. I'm imagining also your exquisite extra virgin olive oil served on most things. Just
0: another note about the hospitality. Even in our state in Maremma, in Val de la Rose, we have uh, Lucia, which is our chef. She is preparing typical dishes of that area. She is uh, La cuoca, the true cuoca in the, in the estate. She can prepare 15 different dishes in an old-fashioned way with a very good and a contemporary taste, very light, not so heavy like many years ago. And so that this food is delicious on the coast. And we can prepare some fish dishes or some tortelli maremani, for instance. Or in winter, we can produce the whiteboard dishes with tagliatelle which is amazing.
1: Well, that sounds wonderful. In the other estates too, for example, in Montefalco.
0: Yes, in Montefalco we have a we have a building downtown the city, and uh, which is uh, where we have a restaurant, which is Ritter 2, And together with Andrea Funke, we are managing that building, and of course also in there the cuisine is focusing in the local dishes and local ingredients. So that is a
1: very gastronomic experience, and they have a very wide range of wines. Well, that sounds wonderful. That would be the place to sample the Tagliatelle al tartufo along with the Sagrantino. Yes, yes. Andrea, thank you so much for taking your time to be our guest today. It's been really important to learn more about the historic Cecchi winery, your family story, as well as about the different estates and the wines you're producing today, not forgetting also the importance of wine hospitality. Our listeners love to visit the places that we talk about, so I hope some of them will find their way to a Czechy estate sometime. I look forward to visiting myself. But in the meantime, thank you so much. Grazie.
0: Hi, Marco. Thank you to you. And I look forward to have you here in our winery, in our vineyards, our state, and I hope that also our people that are listening to us, they can come visit because our doors are open.
1: Oh, that's great to know. Thank you so much, Andrea. Buona giornata.
0: Ciao, ciao. Buona giornata. Thank you. Bye.